As you have a seat, go ahead and take your Bibles out and turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We're considering, continuing this morning on in our life series. Uh, we're actually going to be in the first 21 verses of John this morning. Next week, we'll cover the rest of John 10. And the week after that, for three weeks, we're going to be in our Christmas series, which is called Pause. Uh, why? Uh, why are we doing a series called Pause at Christmas time? Well, well here's why. Uh, life is full. And if you're more pessimistic in the, in the bunch here this morning, you would say this, life is busy. And sometimes I, I think we feel guilty about that. And don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. We need to constantly be evaluating our lives. And there's usually things that need to be dropped and there's usually better things that need to be added, okay? But God has filled your life intentionally. He's filled your life full of of family and friends and responsibilities. He's put you in a workplace where he has you right now. He has you part of PTAs and HOAs. There's, There's yard work to do. There are grocery shopping to be done. There are birthday parties and Christmas parties this time of year. He has filled your life on purpose. And I, I know there's a lot of studies that say we're busier now than we've ever been before. And all that kind of thing. But we've always been full. Moses had a pretty full life. And his life was the fullest between the ages of 80 and 120. David had a full life. Jesus' life was so full that even when he tried to get off on his own to be with the Father... People showed up again. Okay, so life is full, and Christmas, the Christmas season, it's, it's even busier. So, so, so what do we do with all of that? Here's what we're gonna do. God has graciously allowed us this rhythm of Sunday in our lives when the church gathers together on the first day of the week to celebrate our risen Savior. So rather than cancel all of the holiday plans in your life to be spiritual, here's what I'm saying. Enjoy them. (laughs) Enjoy it. Enjoy the fullness of the season. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to lean in to this Sunday rhythm, this time that we have on Sunday mornings, and we're going to pause corporately together and even individually some. And we're going to do that to consider and reflect on Christ during this month. And we're going to focus um, those three weeks, we're going to focus on three different words, reconciliation, relationship, and rest, okay? So that's that's in a couple weeks, but actually, here's my transition into today's text. That happens in a couple weeks, but today, I think, even though we're going to be in the life series for these next two weeks, I think today really starts that pause for us, because this passage is an incredible reflection on him that I think is, is suitable for jumping into the Advent season, okay? So, so John chapter 10, remember last week, if you look there, you can look back at chapter nine and kind of remember where we were last week. Pastor Kyle did such a good job. The, um, uh, the Lord heals this blind man. And then what happens? He's cast out of the synagogue by religious leaders, Right? And they don't believe him. And then later he's found by Jesus. 
and he places his trust in him. Okay, so this, this passage this week, it continues on from that account. And it really involves Jesus criticizing, critiquing the religious leaders while he teaches us about who he is. So he does this contrast between the religious leaders and himself. And there are a lot of Old Testament connections in this. So if you're one of those people that likes to dive into some of the Old Testament that that connects into this passage, or maybe you've been doing that as a small group, a few passages for you that you can consider doing this week is Psalm 23 is fabulous with this passage. Psalm 80 connects in with this. Isaiah 40, Isaiah 53, Zechariah 11. Okay, but one of the, the main connections from the Old Testament into this passage is Ezekiel chapter 34. In Ezekiel chapter 34, God gives Ezekiel this prophecy against the religious leaders. He calls them basically horrible shepherds. And then he does this. He promises in Ezekiel 34, 23, he promises that a better shepherd is coming from the line of David, the Messiah. And we're gonna see how this passage connects in with this. Also, remember across John, we've been seeing there are seven big I am statements by Jesus in John. Seven big divinity statements that that harken back to um, Exodus chapter three, verse 14, when God reveals himself to Moses and says, I am who I am. Jesus has seven of those big ones. And we're gonna see number three and number four in this passage today. But if you also remember, I've said there are these kind of subtle, smaller I am statements that you can be watching for. I think there's two of those in this passage this week too. So we're going to look at four I am's from John chapter 10 verses 1 through 21. Okay, the first one is this. I am the shepherd. I am the shepherd. Look at verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he had brought out, when he has brought out His own, his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger, they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. Father, open our eyes now that we might see wonderful things from your word and leave worshiping you in your glory, in your precious name. Amen, amen. All right, so, so what's happening here? Okay, there's this, there's this shepherd sheep imagery happening in this passage. Here's what's cool. This happens all across scripture. All right, as a, as a picture of God and his people, the shepherd and the sheep, okay? And we're seeing in these first verses this sheepfold. What is a sheepfold? Here's a picture of what a sheepfold made of look like. It's this stone structure. It was typically right outside of the village where the people were residing. And there were lots of different shepherds, lots of different families that had sheep. And so what they would do, they take those 
those sheep, those flocks out to pasture by day. And then often at night, they'd bring them all back and they'd put them in here and they'd put them all in there together, mix them all together. And then they would usually hire a gatekeeper, someone who would sit and watch the sheep overnight while the shepherds would go back into the village, go to their homes, do the business that they needed to do. That's, that's what this is talking about. And here in verses one and two, Jesus is comparing the religious leaders, the false shepherds, to thieves and robbers. And he, he's introducing himself as the shepherd. Look there at verse two. He enters by the door. He enters by the door. Why? Because he is the shepherd of sheep. He is the shepherd of the sheep. He is the, the authorized shepherd. He's the promised shepherd, the one that fulfills the prophecy of Ezekiel 34, the better shepherd that is coming, the Messiah. And since he is the authorized shepherd, look at verse three there, the gatekeeper opens up to him. He lets him in. He's not a thief. He's not a robber. He's the shepherds. And here's what would happen when the shepherds would come back to the fold, probably in the morning. What they would do is they'd walk in amongst the sheep and they would find their sheep. And a lot of times they had a particular call they used or a whistle. Some shepherds even used some type of musical instrument that helped them in order to distinguish if the sheep were particularly dumb, they would mark them and the shepherd would go in there and grab those sheep and throw them out the door until he got them all separated out. But look, 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 look what this shepherd does in verse three. The sheep hear his voice. They recognize his voice. Why? Because he calls his own sheep by name. He's named his sheep. No one else knows their name. So when he calls their name, they recognize his voice. And what do they do? It says they respond to him by following him. Look at verse four. He doesn't, he doesn't walk behind them either and drive them like we see happening with shepherds so often. The shepherd leads them and they follow him. So he calls them by, he names them first. Then he calls them by name out of the sheep. They hear his voice because they know he's named them and they follow his lead. This is a beautiful picture of our salvation. Look at verse six, then at the end, the figure of speech Jesus was using, this illustration or type of parable, they didn't understand what he was saying. Why? Because they're not his sheep, that's why. They haven't recognized his voice. So Jesus starts out in this saying, I am the shepherd. Now he keeps going, verse seven. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep or the true sheep or my sheep did not listen to them. Verse nine, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it 
abundantly. Jesus now is basically like, okay, you're not understanding, so let me, let me bring some extra things. Let me bring some additional into this illustration. I'm not just the shepherd. I am the door. I am the gate. Okay, so here's what would happen. When, when the shepherd would watch the sheep, the shepherd would actually place himself in the doorway of that fold, and he would sit across that opening and sleep across that opening. And is what it was is he would keep the sheep in by doing that, and he would keep the predators and the thieves out. But Jesus here is saying, I'm not just a gatekeeper. I am the gate itself. Look at verse nine. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. All right, so logically, let's walk, let's walk through this. What am I entering? What am I seeking to enter? You're seeking to enter into the flock. What is the flock, the, the sheep? What are they a picture of in this passage and in scripture? They're a picture of God's people, the kingdom of God. So I want to enter into the fold, into his flock. How do I enter? Well, I go through the door. Who or what is the door? Well, the shepherd is. Who's the shepherd? Christ. So this is saying Jesus is the only way. There's, there's no other access to God's flock except through belief in Jesus Christ. There's no other access to eternal life. There's no other access to salvation than through Jesus Christ. Look at verse 10 then. As he brings this, even he keeps kind of crescendoing up in this passage. It's incredible. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they, the sheep, may have life and have it abundantly. Notice it doesn't say abundant life. It says that you may have life and have it abundantly. So, so this abundantly life it's not about length of life. It's not about how long eternal life is, although eternal life is long. It's eternal. This is about a quality of life. This word is describing a rich, satisfied, contented, full life. Well, when is that life? Well, it's now. What makes it abundant? What makes the life rich and satisfying? I thought about this and I was like, okay, how would I define an abundant life? If I was thinking about this, an abundant life for me would, would definitely involve health. It definitely involves some level of, of wealth. It would definitely involve children that were obedient and perfect all of the time. It would definitely involve everyone liking me and some level of success in my life and being able to eat chocolate every day and not gain weight or hurt my heart. It would definitely involve no suffering or maybe just a little bit of suffering. Lots of entertainment and, and world peace would have to be included. But here's the problem. My definition of life abundantly is irrelevant. What does it actually mean? What abundance do we enjoy now in this life through Jesus Christ? I think he's gonna tell us in the verses ahead here, so let's keep going. Verse 11, we see the next I am. I am the good shepherd. 
the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The word good here, it's not just the idea of, of moral purity, although it includes that. It also has this idea of beautiful or attractive. So this shepherd is good, morally pure, and he is beautiful and attractive in every way. And what is, what is the good shepherd contrasted to? Let's keep going and it'll show us. Verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them and he, the hired hand, flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. Okay, so there's two con contrasts here. The good shepherd stands in contrast first to the wolves. Who, who are the wolves? The wolves are anyone who wants to destroy the sheep. Wolves exist for one purpose and one purpose only, to eat sheep. And it shows them doing two things. It says the wolf snatches them and scatters them. So the wolf snatches them up to consume them. The wolf uses the sheep only to satiate its own hunger. And then it scatters the flock so that it can then pick off those sheep one by one by one and destroy them. Uh, the good shepherd also stands in contrast to this in this paragraph, the hired hand. The one that's been hired to watch the sheep for the shepherd that's just doing it for money. The hired hand runs when the wolves start coming. Why? They're not his sheep. That's why I didn't name them. <laughs> I don't care if I, if I lose them. I got play, paid a flat rate. And so his life is more important and of more value than the lives of the sheep. But not, not the good shepherd. The good shepherd cares for his sheep. It's why he named them. It's why he calls them out. It's why he leads them. It's why he's the gate to the fold. It's why he lays down his life for the sheep. When you look at this, you're like, what makes the good shepherd good? Well, the fact that he lays down his life for the sheep. Why does he lay down his life for the sheep? Because he's good. That's why. Listen, I've got to tell you this. Your Your earthly shepherds will fail you. We will. We will fail to care for you as we should. We will fail to love you as we should. We will run when we should be laying down our lives. And I think, I think in this reflection on this, in this passage, I think there's a comfort for us in that, and a call that we should see in this. You're like, Nate, a comfort? Why is that comforting? When you have bad earthly shepherds, when they fail you, and we will, you know, I don't know why, because we're sheep too. When your earthly shepherds fail you, here is the comfort that you have. You have the good shepherd, and he will Never 
fail you. You have the good shepherd who will perfectly care for you and love you and watch over you and provide for you and protect you and never, ever, 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 ever will he fail you. But there's a call in this also. There's a call to us, the earthly shepherds, what we call the under shepherds. And the call for us is that we would be good shepherds, not big G, but little G, good shepherds. And we will be good in this to the extent that we reflect our good shepherd. To the extent that we reflect and point to his care and his sacrifice and his love with our lives and with our words. And so our call from the heavenly father and our hope is that by God's grace, we will increasingly in this life, although imperfectly, reflect our shepherd to you in the way that we care for you. Keep going in verse 14 and 15. He brings this kind of to a climax here in verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. Again, notice he says, I am the door once. Then he says, I am the door twice. Then he says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Each time he's repeating these things, he's, he's increasing in, in the things that he's showing us through them. He's dialing in further and further on the meaning of these. So verse 14, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep. Look at that again. Look at that. Listen to me. I've been thinking about this all week. This is one of the most beautiful statements I think I've ever come across in scripture. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, my own sheep. And my own sheep, they know me just as The Father knows me, and I know the Father. This this word know that's used four times, it's not merely this intellectual knowledge. When this is used in the New Testament, it has this idea of intimacy, this mutual knowledge. This is relational language. So Jesus here is saying there's something about the relationship between Christ and his sheep, between the shepherd and sheep, between Christ and his people that's so unique and so wonderful that the only thing he has that he can compare it to is his relationship with the Father. And and listen, that... It's not exactly the same as his relationship with the Father, right? Father, Son, and Spirit are uniquely our triune God, but there is something like it in this relationship. And we'll see, we'll see in these following verses, uh, the Father and the Son's relationship is characterized by love, by dependence, by obedience, by this unity of will. And similarly, this intimate relationship between the shepherd and his sheep, this union, this friendship with Christ is characterized by love and dependence and obedience. He's saying there is nothing, there is no other relationship that is like your relationship with Christ. 
Do you think about your relationship with him that way? About a year ago, um, I started, when I, when I wake up in the morning, the first prayer that I, that I pray in the morning is, Lord, I want us to grow to be old friends. <laughs> Can we be best friends? Closer than anything else. Like, have you, do you think about your relationship with Christ that way? That's what he's saying. He's saying here, this is how close you can be with him. Here, here's what I believe. I believe this is life abundantly. He gives you new life, not someday. He gives you new life right now. And this new life is a life full of meaning and significance and joy and contentment as we, as we live in relationship with the good shepherd who, who knows you, who loves you, who cares for you and leads you and protects you as we depend on him for everything. Look at verse 16. He keeps going, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold and I must bring them, those sheep also. They will listen to my voice. Why? Because they're my sheep. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. What's he, what's he saying here? He's saying this, his people will not ultimately be united by preferences, by stage of life, by geography, but rather his called out people will be from every language and every nation. They will be Jew and they will be Gentile. They will be rich and poor. They will be young and old. They will be Democrats and Republicans. By God's grace, they will be Colts fans and Patriots fans. <laughs> and they will be held together by one thing and one thing only, the shepherd. Well, how will this be? How will this be? Look, look at verse 17. Let's finish off this Reading this section, he says, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my father. And there was again division among the Jews because of these words. And many of them said, he has a demon. He's insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And the answer to that is no. So what's happening in verse 17? It says, for this reason, the father loves me because I laid down my life for, for the sheep. I was like, what? What does this mean? Um, I heard this uh, really smart guy, Frederick Dale Bruner, in his commentary, he uh, he summarizes what's happening here like this. It says this. We should not misunderstand this phrase to mean that the father needed Jesus' cross and resurrection in order for the father to love Jesus. Rather, we should understand it like this. The father so loves his son and so loves his world that out of this deep double love, the father is thrilled that his son is willing to lay down his life for his world. And not only to lay it down, this passage tells us he's willing to lay it down, but also take it up again. 
And they've already tried to kill Jesus here a couple of times, and they're going to try again. We're going to see next week on the heels of this. And Jesus, right in the middle of it, right before they're ready to pick up stones one more time, he's like, I need to remind you of my identity, my authority, my power, and my unfathomable love. I am the shepherd. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. The last, the last I am, I think we're meant to see here is this. I am the lamb of God. I'm the lamb of God. You see, in order to secure our entrance into the flock as his sheep, what does Jesus do? He becomes the lamb. The shepherd is the lamb. The spotless lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world that John the Baptist introduced back in John chapter one. And in fact, Revelation chapter uh, 14, it says this, and it is these, these, the redeemed who follow the lamb wherever he goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the lamb. It is these, the redeemed do what? They follow the lamb. Wait, 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 wait. We're supposed to follow the shepherd. That's right. But the shepherd is the lamb. And notice, notice where they're following him. This will come up here in a second. They're following him into and for all of eternity. All right, so he's the shepherd, he's the door, he's the good shepherd, he's the lamb of God. So what are we? We are his sheep. We're his sheep. Um, how, a little personality test, or maybe this will be a fun um, lunch topic. If you could describe yourself as any animal, what would it be? What would it be? I even had some good ones come up after the first service. They're like, I think it's this. Whoa, I won't repeat that. <laughs> what, what would it be? Like, you're like, oh man, if I could be, if I was the way I am, what, what would be the animal that I would describe myself as? Okay, so uh, when one of our kids was, was little, she was three years old, uh, we came and we asked, we said, hey, what do you wanna be when you grow up? Which by the way, I think it's cute when, when you're a new parent, don't you just think that like, I'm just gonna be the parent that breaks the mold? Like, I will be the best parent that there ever, that there ever was. I love that. That's what we thought. And so we're like, okay, here's our three-year-old daughter. We're asking her what she wants to be when she grows up as a reflection of our tremendous parenting over these first three formative years of her life. I'm sure she's gonna wanna be an astronaut or the next president of the United States. Like, what do you wanna be? And she thinks about it for a second and she goes, me wanna be a sticky tiger. <laughs> We're like, wait, what? And she's like, a sticky tiger. And she just keeps doing this. We're like, what is a sticky tiger? And she kept this going for a couple years. And I think, I think is what happened was about the time where she was looking off and trying to decide what is it that I want to be. A car drove by that had one of those animals with the little suction cups on its hands. And she, in all of her wisdom of three years old, looked and said, well, that's what I aspire to. <laughs> I want to be a sticky tiger. Um, this week, I looked up, I looked up some different uh, uh, mascots for college teams. Okay, you know what I found? I found, I found? I found lions. I found bears. I found bulldogs. I found wolves. 
even, you know, uh, um, I even found, even found one team's mascot that's the parrots and the slugs. I, had, it's been, I went down a rabbit hole and spent way too long looking into that one. <laughs> the slug. But you know what I didn't find? Sheep. This is a Christmas present, so I have to wrap it afterwards. So I just, I didn't find this. No sheep mascots, go figure. Why not? Well, they're not very impressive, are they? Like nobody rides a sheep into battle. (laughs) They're weak. A lot of people think they're pretty stupid. They get eaten by wolves. They wander off, and did you know this? Sometimes they get so much wool on them that if they fall over, they can't even get back up themselves. Somebody, at least shepherd, has to come and write them back up. This is how your God describes you. And us. Now, here's, here's, here's what I find interesting as we think about this. Don't let that distract you, Dan. When we often talk about this sheep-shepherd imagery, often we just immediately go to the negative of it, don't, don't we? Like I've asked a lot of people over this week, I'm like, hey, what do you think about the, the fact that God calls you a sheep? And almost 100% of them are like, dumb sheep. We're so stupid. We're just dumb. And, and typically though, you know what I find is we talk about the church that way, but not initially ourselves. We don't lump ourselves into the sheep, but everybody, the rest of the church is just dumb sheep. Here, here's what's amazing about this passage. Not once does he say, you stupid sheep. Not once. The focus of this passage and the imagery of God's people as sheep, it's not on the sheep's negative characteristics. The focus is on the shepherd's beauty and his goodness. It never says, you dumb sheep, stop getting eaten. It never says, you dumb sheep, when the wolves come, like put your wool powers together, get up on your hind legs and fight off the wolf on your own. It never says that. You know what also? It never says, stop being a sheep, become a tiger. That's what our culture tells us. That's not what this passage tells us. You know why? You weren't meant to spend your Christian life trying really, really, really hard to change yourself into something that's not described as a sheep. Whether you like it or not, you're supposed to be a sheep. You were created to be a sheep, but not just a sheep. You're created to be his sheep. You are meant to depend on the shepherd. You're meant to follow his perfect lead, to be loved by him and to love him and to rest in his provision and protection. And here's what's really interesting. When the Lord chooses an army, an army that he will use to drive back the kingdom of darkness in this world with his kingdom of light through the gospel. You know what army he chooses? His sheep of all the things. Like if you wanted a dad joke, you'd be like, that is a woolly bad idea. (laughs) But it is, it's a horrible idea. You're like, of all the things you could pick, you pick a sheep. And here's another thing that's really sweet. You will be eternally 
his sheep. In eternity, you won't suddenly change into something that would be better be described as a, as a bobcat. You will forever follow the good shepherd, but what's awesome in eternity is this. You'll no longer wander off and there won't be any wolves that you will forever and rightly and perfectly depend on the shepherd for everything. I don't know, I don't know what you're struggling with today. Maybe even around the holidays can be a hard time for you. I don't know what you're wrestling with in, internally here today, maybe all by yourself. Maybe it's, maybe it's nobody loves me, nobody cares for me, nobody really knows me, nobody understands my struggles, nobody, I don't have any value. I don't have friendship. I'm useless. Life is worthless. How do I find joy in the midst of this suffering? Listen to me. Listen to me. Today you can know from the word of God, he is the good shepherd. And he loves you. And he cares for you. And he knows you. And he wants to be known by you he wants to be your closest friend and he wants to use you for his glory in this life. And you can enjoy life to its fullest in relationship with him and following him. And you can do that all because he laid down his life as our sacrifice and took it back up again. Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins. And if you will trust in him. He will forgive you. He will forgive you. And he will give you a new life, not just in eternity, but right now. A life where you can know him and where he knows you. And where you can walk in this life in victory over your sin. And in the value and worth that comes with being his sheep. Oh, that we would begin reflecting in this season on this. He is the good shepherd. Father, thank you, Lord. Lord, we, we do tend to wander. Lord, we are vulnerable. But rather than beat ourselves up over that, Lord, rather than try to follow the supposed wisdom of our world that says, be something else, don't be a sheep. Lord, would we instead lean into our identity in you? and gladly and willingly and joyfully depend on you for everything. Thank you. Thank you for your model of sacrificial love. Thank you that you didn't remain in the grave, Lord but yet you took your life back up again in all of your authority, in victory over sin and death. I'd ask, I'd ask that you would please help us individually and as a congregation to increasingly 
understand what it means to have friendship with you? Would we seek out that friendship? Would we ask for that friendship, Lord? Would we revel in it? Would we grow closer and closer and closer to you as your sheep? Thank you for naming us. Thank you for calling us out and into your flock, Lord. Thank you for leading us. Help us to forever have joy in following you. In your precious name, amen.